Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This episode is brought to you by HP. When you're working apart from your team, feeling connected can be a challenge. Presenting HP Presence, a more thoughtful human collaboration technology. With enhanced audio and video features, you can experience more genuine collaboration and feel more connected. Be in the room from any room with HP Presence. Learn more at hp.com forward slash presence. What is up, everybody, and welcome to Studio de Jeffrey, Studio de Dane, Studio de Broadus. It is Plug and Play Episode 3, an NFL Draft Show. I'm so tempted to say podcast, but we're on video. So it's an NFL Draft Show for your earballs and your eyeballs as we're getting ready for the NFL Combine. My name is Jeff Cavanaugh, and the sentence just ends there. Normally, I would say from a certain place. I'm Jeff Cavanaugh, and I'm from right here. This is where I'm from. And I am joined as I am every week, every Wednesday at 7.30, by the great Brian Broaddus, the greatest drafter in the history of the NFL. Man ran one draft, got four pro bowlers, and the man who was going to dethrone him until he decided, you know what, I want my work to be accessible to everyone, and I want to have 737 kids. The great Dane Brugler from The Athletic. So good evening, gentlemen, as we are on the eve of the combine and fired up to see where this thing is headed. How are we doing, Dane? Uh, we're doing good. Yeah, we. Uh, it's it's weird this year. Everything's a week later. Uh, so you know because the the extra game in the regular season. So Super Bowls later. Combines a week later. And so you know we're almost to March now. So this is we're getting closer and closer to the draft. Yes, and it is glorious, Brian. How are you? You're looking good. You're looking swell. Thank you. I appreciate that, Jeffrey. As always, I enjoy being with two of my favorite draft guys as we get this thing going. So. Uh, I'm excited. I'm disappointed missing a combine. Never want to miss a combine, but uh, sometimes other duties call. But I'm grateful to have the opportunity to talk about it with you guys. Like when you have to go to the bathroom. Sometimes that duty calls, and that's why we have three people on this show, so that if I do have a bowel movement, I can just throw it to you guys and disappear, and I'll come back, and it'll all be good. Mm -hmm. So tonight, my plan is it goes this far. Uh, Plan number one. We talked about Dane's top 100 last week, but not all the position groups. And everybody's like, well, you didn't really give me one through 100. That's because you have to subscribe to Dane's work on The Athletic, and you can get one through 100. We'll give you some of it, but you have to subscribe. Uh, So I did want to go over the defensive tackles that we didn't get to last week, all of them, because I think it's a fascinating position group. But as previously stated, we are creeping up on the combine where a bunch of dudes are going to make a bunch of money. Maybe you could lose money. Uh, and Brian will tell you which part is the most important. So will Dane. But 
that may not be the most exciting part for everybody. So as we get ready for this, let's start with you, Dane. What is most important? And then, Brian, you go, that's right. Dane nailed it. Dane's got this thing nailed. And then some of the guys we're looking forward to see what they can do. Yeah, you know, it's the whole reason the combine was invented in the first place, and that's the medicals. Uh, It's a central location for all these prospects. There's 324 this year uh, headed to Indy. Uh, to get the the full medical evaluation, and I don't I don't think we talk enough about just not only the importance, but how rigorous of a, a process it is. Uh, all 32 teams have their team doctors and trainers and staff there uh, to uh, you know really get everything. Uh, you know, if this guy had a knee his freshman year of high school, they're going to check it out. They're going to figure it out. What what exactly is going on? So. Uh, no stone left unturned when it comes to the medicals. And that's that's really where we have the biggest fluctuation uh, at this point in the process is when we find out, oh, I, I, I'll, I'll get, a, I'll get uh, a text from Brian or a call from Brian. Um, it, it's not good. It's not good. No, I was talking to him. I just, I, in this, he's got the knee and then the shoulder. It's not good. It's not good. Talking to my gang of seven, Dane. I was talking about. I got to. I'm hearing from. Uh, no, I'm not going to say a city name. I'm hearing from. Uh, and it's not good. I do want to stop down for two seconds before Brian. You talk about getting ready for this combine and thank Manhawk in the chat. Now That's my crazy, formatting man. my formatting screws up if I click the button and put it on the screen. But for yeah. one, I am willing to do it one time. What? Holy cow! What a generous, freaking yeah. awesome dude! Thank you thank for you. your support. Thank, thank you for my being man. here. Appreciate you, man. Really do. And Dane, you're responsible for remembering names. So thank you to Crushing Bedtime. And he wants to know about Cam Taylor Britt being a free safety, which I will not be just inserting all of the super chats all the time as we try to stay on topic. But towards the end, I'll ask if you guys have anything that you want and we'll rock and roll. And everybody that supports, we do love you. So Brian, Combine, Medicals, what's what's going on with the knee? What do we got? Yeah, I, actually, I think the most important thing is we all go eat beer can chicken the night that the Weber Grill before uh, we get out of town. Uh, but uh, no, a great tradition, a lot of great traditions at the Combine for us as we used to go and, and handle all that. Um, the When we were starting to talk about boycotts of the Combine and with agents and the top, you know, the, the top players, 150, whatever that number was, the one thing that I was scared of was the medical stuff. I was really scared of that. And then I reached out to a team about the, you know, about that. And they said, listen, it doesn't sound like it's going to be a problem with the medicals. They're going to boycott workouts and potentially interviews and stuff like that. And then I asked about, well, what about, you know, the, the 30 visits if they boycott, or, you know, and, you know, the league was like looking at possibilities of maybe having to expand that number, but cooler heads prevailed. You know, we're going to have our workouts. Um, you know, we're going to be able to get our numbers. We're going to be able to get our um, our uh, interviews and then our medicals. And and it's, it's always, to me, been about the medical stuff. Because especially with this day and age, it, with the HIPAA laws the way they were, there was a time where Krusty could go in to a school and I could request uh, Randy Moss's medical information from Marshall University and they would hand me his complete medical file. And that was it. I would move on to my next school, but I don't have that opportunity anymore. And so those medicals are super, super important. 
I think the interviews for a lot of these guys, because we've been in a pandemic era, guys, the last couple of years, scouts going to schools. Do we get to talk to these kids? No, we really don't. Do we get to talk, you know, do you get to visit with them? No, there's times where you used to be able to go to practice and watch them and do all these things. Some of that's changed, but there's still these schools that say, listen, we don't want you guys around. So the combine, again, great opportunity, much as the senior bowl was to get to sit down and visit with these kids and and, and get an opportunity to talk with them. Get, give me an idea what makes them tick. But also, like I said, I need to know that medical stuff because when I put your tag on the board, I want to be able to say with total confidence as, as our scouts are saying, hey, that's our guy. That's our guy. And I and I think that the, the combine cleans up a lot of that stuff for us. So now as we're actually getting ready for it, what are the most interesting storylines or maybe the guys to watch? Because I know like every year Bruce Feldman comes out with his freaks list. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a bunch of information that Dane's probably already gotten. Uh, about like how some of these guys are testing going into their junior or senior year or whatever in college. And so now it's going to be on display where I've seen claims that like both the Michigan guys are going to run a six, six, three cone. And who are the guys that were about to be tuned into the combine and going, Oh, wow. Well, I, I think you, know, you mentioned Michigan, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, his day's going to start kind of rough. Cause I think, He's not as long as people think. I, I think his arm length is going to be shorter, and so his, his day is going to start a little rough, and then it's going to get better really quickly. Uh, his agility stuff is going to be remarkable. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is going to only uh, maybe confirm why some people have him as a top player in this draft, uh, including myself. Uh, so he's going to look good. David Ajabo from Michigan will look good. I'll tell you, the Washington corners, uh, both of them, Trent McDuffie, Kyler Gordon, these guys are going to test off the charts. I was on the phone with uh, Trent earlier today, and he was telling me about what he's he wants to run in the four threes. He thinks I maybe mean, that's how he's been training. He his goal in the verticals forty two and a half. I mean, this is what he's been hitting in training. So he's going to hit it, uh, and he's got some friendly bets going with his teammate Kyler Gordon about who's going to run faster, who's going to jump higher. Uh, and the thing with Trent too is he's going to just nail the interview process. He, he's going to nail the combine. We might be talking about. Uh, Trent McDuffie as uh, CB1 in this draft. I, it, some teams will look at him that way. So look for both Washington corners uh, to, to really show out. And then if you're going to ask me who's going to run the fastest 40, I've got two names for you. Tariq Woolen from UTSA, uh, senior bowl guy, former wide receiver, 6'3", 205, should run somewhere in the low four threes. And then Kalen Barnes from Baylor. This guy hmm. in high school set the Texas record with a 10 10- Point oh eight hundred meters. Now, Jeff, you're a track guy. Ten point zero eight. That that's pretty good, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, back in my day, I uh, I could churn out a hundred for uh, right around eleven seconds, and uh, I was fast. That's that's, that's Rel- moving. <laughs> relatively speaking, uh, I was fast compared to normal humans. But um, no, that's absurd. Ten oh eight when in high school, senior year of high school, set the Texas record. That's stupid. Yeah, that's not. It, it, the only reason it wasn't a national record is because, uh, Tailwind. yeah, the, the, it was wind. They said wind aided, but mm-hmm. even with a, just a little bit of wind, we're still talking about ridiculous time. Brian, do you have combine guys that you're yeah. looking at? I, it? I, if I could follow up again, uh, like Dane was talking about, I visited with some scouts about the combine going in, and it's, uh, especially about the Washington kids. 
And one scout told me, don't be surprised if McDuffie measures in less with the height. There might be some questions about really how tall he is. And we'll see if that affects how people think about him. You can watch the tape, and it's outstanding tape. To a man, guys were talking about, hey. Are we talking like 5'9"? They're talking that he could be shorter than 5'10". They're talking like that. That's there's two things working against him: the size. Yeah. He's not a big guy, and then yeah. ball production wasn't there. But yeah, the, no, the guys, no one yeah. threw at him, so that 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 factors in as well. Yeah, and, and but that, that you know, and I, the guy's a hell of a football player. I mean, you yeah. can watch the tape and see that. But to a man, everybody's like, "Hey, McDuffie, McDuffie, McDuffie." You watch Gordon play, and after there's to a man, it, it seemed like that everybody was kind of gravitating towards. Kyler Gordon being the better of the players over there. Like that he was the one that was, yeah, you could talk about this kid, but Gordon that looked like to them that he was going to be the guy that people aren't giving nearly enough credit to. He's so, a better athlete. There's no yeah, question about that. Yeah. I, I mean, well, yeah. it, it, he's just, he's a freak. He's going to test like a freak. I just better player. I struggle with that. Yeah, that, but that's again, that's you know, we we're all looking at these guys in a different way and stuff. But but yeah. a guy told me like he said, hey, keep an eye on McDuffie and how tall he really measures. Okay, and, yeah, that might send a little bit of some 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 uh, some reverberations through the combine as that measurement's fired off. Okay, now tell me what you think of those two players, Brian. Because oh, like, yeah. I, well, I hear that, and like I love it that both of you have so many contacts that we can hear what different people yeah. think. But like to me, Trent McDuffie is yeah. going to be a top 15 or so player, and mm-hmm. Kyler Gordon, for me, is going to be like a third-round guy. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Kyler Gordon, though, is like he can line up at either corner and he can play the slot. He did it against Stanford. I was watching. They play a ton of off coverage. You see that with Washington in the way they scheme that, but – you know, man, he gets really, really square at the snap, and then he turns those hips, and he's able to adjust and all that. And so the movement stuff, I mean, the relaxed, the way he plays, the steady pedal, I mean, he appears to, to have, like, the ball skills. I know Dane was talking about that, but he was talking about McDuffie. I kind of felt like Gordon had a little bit, maybe some better ball skills. Uh, you know, the California game, he had a couple of interceptions in, the way, in that game. But, uh, you know, the tackling part of it, we'll see. When he misses, a guy misses pretty bad. But athletically, I mean, I think you're talking about two outstanding corners here. But the thing with Gordon, I think he's a little bit of a more of a grabby type of guy. So that's kind of where it made me think, oh, the other guy, McDuffie, a little bit more natural playing it. Gordon maybe having to kind of hold on a little bit and stuff like that. I mean, he was able to get away with that in the Oregon game. I thought there was a couple of times where that happened to him. He wouldn't call for it. But, man, both these kids have a lot of the skills that you absolutely want in these corners. I'm just pointing out, though, again, I have McDuffie higher. I'm just saying that maybe, maybe when we get the measurement, the actual height of McDuffie, that maybe people might see him a little bit different than we have in in uh, in the past with some of these corners. One more thing I'll say about these Washington corners is you have to be smart to play in that scheme. Yeah. Uh, they they put a lot on those guys' plates where you know you're you're changing your based on the offensive formation you're changing what you're doing. Um, and Trent was running me through it today, just all the different double plays they have. 
And it's it, it makes your head spin with what you have to do and all the thinking you have to do on the fly based off of what the offense is showing you, based on the situation, down and distance and everything. And so I think that's something that will help both of those guys. Washington, uh, I mean, talk about a, a defensive back factory. That's what they've been. And uh, they're going to continue to do that with both these guys. I wouldn't be surprised if we – both these guys are first-round picks. I, I, I'm with I'm more with Jeff in terms of where I have uh, – Kyler Gordon, but when well, he, I'm the same way. I'm the same right. way. Right, but I'm actually, just saying, yeah. So after he puts he, up these numbers, yeah. he, yeah. he he's gonna go. He he's gonna go. He's gonna go high. Right, somewhere in the top forty picks, probably first round. Yeah, like I say, just keep an eye on the on that. What the true measurement is of that kid that that was something I was alerted to by a couple of guys in the league. Is there anything else we need to hit as far yeah. as combine preview? Yeah, can I can I throw something out too? I'm really interested yeah. to see really what. Linderbaum ways. I'm I'm really interested to you see jerk. what that number is. No, just just I'll be three oh five, and after they weigh him, they go three oh five. Linderbaum, yeah. and he throws up two middle fingers and goes, "That's for Broadus." Yeah, and you know, and I'd be happy to accept that too. There's a couple of centers in this draft. I mean, you know, Parham yeah. from from Memphis weighed in big. Uh, you know, it's it it's funny at the you know he weighed in bigger at the at the Senior Bowl. You know, and I, I tell you what, that, that's good. I'm okay with these kids way more. I'm just interested to see. I'm interested to see how much cross the offensive tackle weighs. There's a couple of these offensive linemen that I'm interested to see from the end of the season to where we are at the combine. Did they go to some of these facilities? Did they train at their schools? Did they put on weight? Did they put on strength? You know, those are the kinds of things that I think that, as a scout, you want to feel a little bit better about because you watch Parham play and you can watch him go against Logan Hall from Houston and hold his own, but he's a 285 pound guy there, you know? So, I mean, if you could, you know, those are the kinds of things for just scouts. If the measurements come back, maybe what you think they could be, I think, I think scouts feel a lot better about those when they actually see them and hear them. Yeah, Linderbaum, I think will be. I'll be surprised if he's more than two ninety five. Uh, that's just that's that's who he is, and that's that's fine. Um, yeah. That's and we've talked about it before. He's not going to be for everybody. He's a center only. He's zone scheme only, uh, and, and you know that could work out to the benefit uh, to a team like the Cowboys picking in the later portion of round one. Um, sure. But yeah, I, I think there's there's plenty of different storylines here. I think Matt Corral for Ole Miss, the quarterback. We saw all the other quarterbacks, uh, relevant quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl. This is Matt Crow's chance to say, hey, this is why I'm quarterback one. And I think he should show out. I, he, everything he does is quick. His feet, his uh, his arm. Uh, and so I think in shorts and a T-shirt, he's going to look really good. Uh, with the, some of these running backs, uh, I want to see how Kenneth Walker from Michigan State, how he catches the ball in the backfield. Wasn't asked to do that a ton. Uh, these wide receivers, I you know, it's going to be – we're going to see some big numbers from like Chris Olave. He, he's going to – low four threes. Uh, I expect big numbers from him. Is that going to help him a little bit? Uh, Garrett Wilson, probably more mid four fours. Uh, I still think Garrett Wilson's a better prospect, but uh, the wide receivers will be interesting. Traylon Burks. What's his weight? Is he 225? Is he closer to over 230? Uh, His hands, are they uh, 11 and a half? I've heard so many different stories about how big his hands are. Uh, So that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting with him. Uh, I think you you hit on a lot of the offensive linemen uh, that are going to be interesting. Charles Cross being one of them, Evan Neal, uh, Ikea Kwanwu, uh, all these offensive linemen will be interesting. 
So yeah, there, there's a lot of cool storylines with the combine that you know we look forward to every year, and this year uh, definitely have some some more. I, I'll, I'll finish this up too, Jeff, if I could. And you know, you and I had a discussion on the draft show yesterday, or actually Tuesday, about uh, Ed Ingram from LSU and then Zion Johnson from Boston College. If 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 it holds true to how these guys work out, they usually put them in alphabetical order. So H I J, maybe we'll have a deal where you have, and, and this is what's kind of fun. If you have two players that are pretty close and you want to kind of compare, you watch one work and then the other works right behind it. So keep an eye on those combinations that we might see, especially at that guard spot, uh, you know, with uh, again, Ed Ingram and uh, Zion Johnson potentially working, unless I'm missing something. But uh, that would be something I want to keep an eye on, too. Uh, and I want to see Jordan Davis. Uh, does he break five seconds in the 40? Uh, I, at 350, he's got yeah. a sh- he, he can move. He's got yeah. a, a chance to get under five seconds uh, in the 40-yard dash. And, I mean, it really doesn't matter, but it'll just be fun to watch. That would be. Because then, like, a whole different conversation is going to start. But that's a, okay, so that's a great transition because we've been working through last week we were talking about Dane your top 100 on the Athletic where you can subscribe and you can read it. And the defensive tackle group we didn't really get to and we were getting towards having been on for an hour and I was just like, "All right, let me just let me just pocket this bad boy." Because the interior defensive line guys in this draft class to me is really unique because Jordan Davis, I think for some people, maybe a lot of people will be the number one defensive tackle because there's not a dominant pass rushing defensive tackle that is a clear cut kick-ass prospect. And so we may have a one technique, be the first defensive tackle off the board. So as you were putting together your top 100, how tough was it to get them in order? And you ended up with D tackle one and D tackle two coming from the same school. And I'll say again, uh, you can have both of them if I can have their D tackle next year. I'll take Jalen Carter, number eighty-eight. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't blame you. Um, and I went with Devonte Wyatt, the three technique, over uh, Jordan Davis, the nose tackle, uh, in my top one hundred in my defensive tackle rankings. Um, but it comes down to yeah, what, what you're looking for. It, it's it, it, we talk about it like with receivers and with some of these other positions. They play basically two different positions. So even though we rank them in the same bucket. Uh, they're essentially two very different players with the role that they'll have at the next level and what teams will be looking for. You know, we've talked uh, about it, the Cowboys before, how they will not draft a nose tackle in the first round. Uh, and that seems to be an organizational philosophy, not just a coach-specific thing. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Maybe one day they'll change that. And, uh, you know, we'll all be surprised. But a lot of teams think that way uh, because, you know, you can get Travis Jones from UConn in the second round. You could get, uh, you know, Neil Farrell from LSU in the yeah. third or the fourth. You, you can get these these bigger guys who are rotational noses, uh, you know, unless you get a Vita Vea who has ascended to being just a total ass kicker as a nose yeah. and just going to beat you up and he can play three downs. He can play a lot of snaps. So if you can find a Vita Vea, then, you know, salute. But it, uh, Vita Veas are, are just aren't out there. Jordan Davis is not a Vita Vea, in my opinion, at least. So. Yeah. This defensive tackle class, there's a lot of different uh, types of defensive tackles. You know, I think uh, the what the guys at the Senior Bowl did, I thought really helped them. Travis Jones, Perrion Winfrey, uh, you know, John Ridgeway, I'd throw him in there too from Arkansas. So, yeah, this is – I agree, Jeff. This is a – at first glance, I thought defensive tackle might have been one of the weakest positions this year. 
And it's still probably middle of the road. It's not, uh, you know, one of the better positions, but it's still a, a group where there, there's talent. You can get better on your defensive tackle depth chart this year. Yeah, I kind of, I totally agree with Dane. I mean, if you look at the guys, you know, like you mentioned, Mathis from Alabama, I really like him a lot and, and what, you know, what he potentially can bring. The whole thing with Travis Jones, I mean, that that's the one guy to me you go back, like you get sent me the Clemson tape and stuff like that. I mean, played a lot better in that football game. You know, it just depends on what you want. And I mean, you know, if, if somebody thinks like that they just need that big bodied, you know, in the middle of that board in the first round, need a, a guy like Jordan Davis, you know, that's if that's if that's your missing piece on defense, I could see it two down or not. You know, that, that is a big man that's hard to move. And and I think Dane was right when he said earlier, we're going to see a guy potentially run like 494, and everybody's going to lose their damn mind about that, you know? <laughs> and they're going to talk about – and they're going to follow him, and he's probably going to, you know, maybe the vertical, the broad or something, you know, maybe the shuttle beat. But, you know, you're talking about a guy that big. And we've all watched the tape of Georgia. I mean, every one of those, it doesn't matter whether they're wearing white jerseys or red jerseys, those guys are flying to the damn ball, you know, and that, that's that's a team that tackles well. They play well on defense. I mean, that's why we're talking about all their guys. And Jordan Davis is a big, big part of that. And I could see somebody saying, you know what, we need a big, mean guy in the middle of our defense, whether it's for two downs, three downs, four downs, whatever. Uh, you know, he, he sure has got everybody's attention. And if you could uh, – here, let me ask you guys both this. Um, and uh, have you done John Ridgeway from Arkansas yet? You know, that's, yeah, he's next on the list because I'm working okay. down, I'm working down through that stuff, Dan, that you and I, the list that you and I were kind of, and yeah. Ridgeway was right in the next of those defensive tackles that I needed to see. I've heard some really, really good things. I know some people who are watching this broadcast right now have been mentioned about uh, him. I'm, I'm kind of seeing the chat on the side a little bit, but yeah, he's well, a guy you definitely have to look at. What I was going to say is if, if you could if you tell me I can have either Jordan Davis in the first or Ridgeway uh, in the third, I'm going Ridgeway in the third. Uh, and I feel a lot better about that, about who else I'm getting in the first. Uh, and I feel good about, you know, upgrading my, my defensive tackle position. So uh, it'll be fascinating with Jordan Davis. Uh, I, I would not be shocked at all if he fell to the second round. I could easily see him going uh, in the in the teens just because uh, a team will, especially when the coaches get involved, they see a yeah. guy like that who can impact the run game like, like uh, Jordan Davis can. Um, but, yeah, it'll be – he's almost got a, a bigger – or as big of a variance as Tyler Linderbaum in terms of where he could end up on draft day. Is there any way – I don't mean to cowboy it up uh, too much, but is there any way that this thing could fall – where at 24, you would think that a defensive tackle was a good pick for the Cowboys? Well, I mean, Devontae Wyatt, I think, should be in the conversation. I, I mean, no. he's I, – I don't I, – I don't, you guys can speak more towards, like, the, you know, the Cowboys and it, uh, three technique and, you know, I don't – you know, with Gallimore filling that Gallimore, role. And, Gallimore, I mean, Gallimore right. being out all year, I mean, and he came back and it, it was like one game and then the rest of the time there wasn't really Neville Gallimore. You know, and I don't know. I mean, again, that's I, I don't I don't think you could look be the Dallas Cowboys and think, oh, we're set at one. Oh, we're set at three. I, I don't know how you can. I don't know how. I mean, you have names, you have bodies and hopefully can Gallimore those guys. Uh, Oso Diggy Zawa, I think, had moments. You know, uh, Bohanna was a non-factor. I mean, they've got 
bodies and names. I think they just need to get better there. So to say they don't, they couldn't use a one or a three, I, I don't know how you say that at all. So, and this was, to me, this is just one of those things. It's more of an overarching thing for every team at every position where like you look at the Cowboys and for instance, three technique where you have Neville Galmore, you have Tristan Hill and that's what a two and a three. Is that yep. right? Galmore was a three. Galmore yep. was a three. Yeah. Okay. So like you've got a second rounder there and you've got a third rounder there and Oso Diggy Zawa is a third rounder. And it's like, yeah. all right, that's three guys with second and third round picks. Right. And so as an organization, I'm sure you'd look at it and be like, dude, like we got guys, but until one has shown you that he is not a guy, he's a dude, you should be ready to fire at any position. Right. If you aren't, if you don't already know that like, okay, that guy, like he's got it. We're in great shape. Kind of sucks, but you're like, yeah, okay. We used a two and a three and a three and we're about to fire another one, but you can't, it's like a sunk cost thing, right? Where it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've already spent. If the best mm-hmm. player is at that spot, you take him. Yeah. But I don't mm-hmm. think, I also don't think that any of these guys are going to be the best player available when you get to 24. So I'm not too terribly concerned about it. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I my, uh, Wyatt was my top defensive tackle and he was like 28 or something like 27. that. 27. Yeah. He was 27. Uh, 27. Jordan Davis was 28. I think you had yeah. Travis Jones in the forties. Yeah. Uh, and then Winfrey, maybe in the 50s, the Oklahoma guy. Leal's, Leal's in there somewhere. Yeah, he was at like 51. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Leal's going to be one of the really interesting ones. Man, speaking of the combine, if, yeah. he's, if he's working out, I'm very interested to see because if he tests like a freak and it's like, oh, there's so much good in there. Why isn't it consistently great on tape? Well, and, and what will he weigh at? Because that'll tell you what he he's thinking in terms of you know does he see himself as a D end? Does he see himself as a three? Uh, you know it, that'll be interesting to just the weigh ins to see what he comes in at, and that that'll that'll be telling. Let me let me change something real quick here, if I could. Do you think the Cowboys? We're talking about all these defensive linemen. Do you think if the Cowboys took anything other than an offensive lineman, this, these fan base would lose their mind? I hope not, because it's just like we've seen, right? Like mock drafts are, you know, they're whatever, they're exercises, right? And we'll talk about a bunch of them that we see because it's fun. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's, no, to me, I, it's I'm, fun, I'm, right? I'm totally, I'm totally open. To, I, I've loved the fact the last couple of years we've seen a really open mind about their board. I just wonder because – you know, these, the, the fans, I know when we do our shows, Jeff, and stuff, I mean, everybody talks about offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. Right. And here we are talking about defensive line, which is an absolute need, which is absolutely, you know, and especially what happens, it might it might even turn into defensive end might be a need, depending on what happens with Randy and Tank and all that stuff, if you're a Cowboy fan. but Yeah, but I, I think, so my thing about this is, is like, Yes, in a perfect world, I kind of want them to pick an offensive lineman. But yeah. and this is where I was going with the mock draft things because they can go a million different ways. One we right. did the other day has no wide receivers taken yet, zero. But Tyler Linderbaum is gone. Kenyon Green is gone. Zion Johnson is gone. Penning, Iquanu, yeah. Neil Cross are all gone. Like, yeah. You're not forcing an O line pick there. No, you're going to no. pick the best player because yeah. you're trying to win at I football. Agree. I agree. It, I just it, yeah. The other thing too, I I really like this interior offensive line class outside of the first round. I I love Kenyon Green. I love Zion Johnson. Both those guys um, should be in the conversation at twenty four. But I tell you what, I'm, I, I look at my board in the second, third, fourth round. 
I've got a lot of interior offensive linemen there that I like that I think uh, have a chance to be starters in this league. So it's not one of those situations where I think they have to do it. If, if they go, if a corner's there, if uh, say a Dax Hill is there, yeah. whatever, I, I mean, I think they can feel good that offensive line will stretch that they can address it second, third, fourth round. All right. Now we go to some of the people. Uh, Cookie Monster wants to know, and he just said about the lineman from Fordham, which if there is one, I'm sure Dane knows who he is. Nick Zakel. Uh he uh, he's a, he's there's the left tackle, but he was a guard at the senior bowl. So uh, and he got beat up pretty good. You could tell he's not used to seeing uh that type not of speed, those, that type of power. Yeah, uh not with the, those seven blocks of granite from Fort, Fordham is what you know. No, yeah. Well in yeah, the school in the Bronx there, yeah, they don't yeah. uh the, the Patriot League, they don't have guys like uh Travis Jones and uh mm-hmm. Perrion Winfrey and the, those types of guys. But uh no, he's um He's a tackle. He's going to move to guard uh, in the NFL. I think he moves really well. Um, I really like his awareness that he plays with. It's just he needs to be more consistent with his fundamentals, um, and it's just going to be—it's going to take time for him until he's ready to face NFL competition. So, to me, he's more of a mid to late round pick, a guy that you consider drafting somewhere in the fifth to seventh rounds. Luis just wants JC Jackson on the team, and uh, JC, we don't got no money. So that's going to be a problem. I'd like to thank Jay Brandon Singh for contributing to the broadcast. You're a monster. Darren Georgetown, you as well. Thank you. Now I want to get to the guy who wants to, he said, I want to twist Brian's brain in a pretzel. (laughs) Would you trade your one and your two to draft a falling Charles Cross in the top 15? Charles Cross is making his way into the teens and your one and two in theory will get you there. Do it. I'm, I'm kind of at the point where I think I'm the only one on this panel that is in love with Charles Cross. Am I correct about that? Is it? How, well, how only you because it? your definition of is in love is that you have him as OT one. Yeah. I, I I'll tell you this to answer the, uh, the, the gentleman's question. I was willing to take Amari Cooper trade him in the 24. So I've basically given 24 and Amari Cooper to get to the Jets at 10 if I knew I could get cross. I, I'm going for one of those offensive tackles. I might be going for one of the say I might be going for Hamilton if something if something was going on there. But it, the only the only race the only reason I was going up was I was going to go get one of those offensive tackles. That's the only way. Because if that was the case I was going to take Lyle Collins and plug him in at left guard and put that that drafted tackle at right tackle, and then when something happens with Tyron Smith, I'll move him over the other side, and then I, and I'll elevate you know uh, Terrence Steele. But yeah, I mean, if I'm willing to give the Jets 24 and Amari Cooper, which I think would get me a second round pick, I I I'm just yeah, I would do that for Cross. I think he's that good. Thanks. No, I don't think it's easy. Uh, just you hate to give up that second round pick, but it would it would be tough to say no um, to go get a guy that you um, is going to be a plug and play starter and a guy that's going to you know take the baton from Tyron. And you know my uh, one of my good buddies in this business, Brandon Thorne, who's you know awesome with offensive line evaluations. Um, you know people need to check out his work if you don't if you don't already. Uh, he actually comped Charles Cross to a a young version of Tyron Smith. Uh, that type of ability. When you talk about the athleticism, you talk about 
the hand exchange, the movement patterns. Um, now, I, with Cross, I do worry a little bit about the lack of power, especially in the run game. You know, coming from that air raid offense, uh, you know, Mike Leach's offense, I think there's some question marks there. But um, I, I think, yeah, he, he's he's going to be a dynamite pro. And I, I think when you've got a guy with that type of foot quickness, and uh, again, for a guy that's still young, he's he's uh, 21 years old, he's just a redshirt sophomore, his hand exchange, his hand technique, it's it just so impressive. So, uh, you know, the more I talk about him, the more I feel more comfortable with making a trade like that. You know, it's funny. I, I used to hate offensive tackles that played without power. And then I became wrong about David Bakhtiari coming out of Colorado. And every time I said, oh, this tackle's light. Now, Nate Soldar won a Super Bowl. He was a Colorado guy. Another one guy that went, you know, New England drafted him. He went to the Giants. He's been a bust. He doesn't play with power. But every time I ever said, guy doesn't play with power, guy doesn't play with power, he ends up playing like 10 damn years in this league. You know, I think I've learned my lesson about that. You know, if you're a really, really, really good athlete, I think that I think, especially when you talk about hand exchange, footwork, all that stuff, I think you could find a way. I, I mean, and I'm not just saying, I mean, I know he's a first round pick, but, you know, when you start talking about the comparisons to Tyron Smith, and we do all remember Tyron Smith coming out and being like 290 pounds yeah. coming out of USC, you know, and then he got, you know, he, he put on weight, put on weight, put on weight. But if you got the athlete, the hand exchange and all that, you know what? To me, if I'm going up, it's probably for one of those offensive tackles. It's probably not for anything else. we got multiple people throwing Amari Cooper's name in the hat since, Brian, you mentioned trying to use him to trade up. Trade guru just said, what's up with this Amari talk party at Jeff's Fund? Appreciate that. And Darren Georgetown is trying to send Amari to Dane's Cleveland Browns for their number two. Is that... Anything that would potentially interest Cleveland with their wide receiver room? Uh, they need to get better at receiver. Uh, I mean, Jarvis Landry's probably on his way out. Um, I, I don't think he's taking a pay cut. Um, and, and so they need to get better at wide receiver. But I don't know that he fits what uh, this this Browns franchise, the front office, what they believe in. Uh, you know, they, they, they tried to trade for a, a receiver uh, a couple years ago, and you know it didn't work out with Beckham. Um, I, I think it's more likely they they draft and develop. Uh, although I will say, the, the Browns have a just terrible track record of drafting wide receivers. Uh, I think yeah, the best one is maybe Braylon Edwards, and that's obviously you know not 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 a good thing if he's your best uh, wide receiver draft pick over the last thirty years. Going back up to some of the best players in this draft, Alex wants us to rank. Derek Stingley, LSU corner. Uh, Booth, whose first name is escaping me, Clemson corner. Andrew. Andrew Booth. Gardner, the Cincinnati corner, Sauce. And Trent McDuffie for a zone-heavy scheme. He's a Philadelphia fan and wants you to rank those corners for a zone-heavy scheme. And I tell you what, I think the quote number three and four if you told me you're going zone heavy, it might elevate them a little bit because McDuffie is a freaking wizard. And I think oh, they play, they play a ton of zone. Yeah, they play. They play a lot of zone coverage at Washington for sure. Zone I, heavy team, put them in order. Or do you just say, hey, whatever, dude, I have my corners in order and they can all do it. Yeah, in today's NFL, if you, you have to play zone and man. I mean, every defense runs a variation of both. So, you know, I don't, I mean, obviously some will be a little more specific. Um, I, I honestly, I'm very, very close with my top three corners, Stingley, Gardner, 
McDuffie. Those, I mean, and I don't, I don't feel great about that order. I, I, I mean, after the combine, I might have a totally different order with those three guys. I think Booth is the fourth of the of that four, but the top three, I, I think, is really for me at least, is a little unsettled right now. I, I, I'm open minded to those three guys. Stingley, obviously, I, you know, I, it's hard to figure out with the medicals. It's hard to figure out with. Uh, you know, some other stuff going on. Gardner is is a big time talent. So uh, I, you could make a case for all three of those guys, I think. I'll tell you the thing that's interesting about Booth. He doesn't get challenged. You know, you, you watch him play. And I mean, you know, you can see there's a lot more off coverage with Clemson than there is some of these other teams that you watch. We mentioned Washington and stuff. But man, I mean, I I miss I miss working for the Cowboys when all that film was cut up for us, oh. you know, and the balls coming at them every rep, oh. you know. That I mean, seriously, there so was some, good. There, there was some serious work watching Booth play, and I'm thinking they got to they got to throw at him, they got to throw at him, they got. But man, I mean, the movement again, the flexibility, the paddle, I mean, all this stuff. But I, I kind of see, I mean, you know, on the outside, there's a lot more zone than there is that man stuff. And he, he looks, I mean, I think everybody that was mentioned can do it. I think they could play both. But he probably played more than any of the corners that you guys mentioned uh, in that in that ranking from what I what? saw. And I feel like McDuffie was doing so much dropping into what looks yeah. like a three deep sure. or whatever, and sure. and yeah, they, with, they, uh, they press press bail. That's that's what they run. Press they, they bail, press bail, yeah, and, yeah. Press yeah. bail and the cover three, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then with Sauce, it's like, all right, they're just never going to throw at Sauce Gardner, and so right. yeah, I too miss the days where we could pull up a player and Brian yeah. would just be like, all right, here's every ball at him. All right, yeah. here's every run at boy, him. We, just like, boy, we were living right, weren't we, guys? Yeah. I mean, we now you, totally now you have to right. actually watch every play and just be like, all right, yeah. I, I see how he moves. I see how he yeah. – is he going to do anything? Yeah. But eventually you'll get there and it works out. Sure. want to shout out my guy Skywalker Steele, our guy, friend of yeah. the broadcast. He is. Um, Good dude. He, he just sent me a send-off case of cold beer on him and said, great stuff. He's looking for a mid-round safety also, check out Skywalker. He's an incredible on-air and production guy at A to Z Sports right now. They hired him and on his own channel. And I can do that now. I can promote whoever the hell I want. Because Hey, let me ask you this. Like, okay, you mentioned mid-round. Dane, what about our guy McKinney from, uh, from, uh, from Oregon? Oregon? Yeah, yeah. Uh, local kid for you guys, uh, Carol. I've actually been up to. I'm going to cut Dane off and just offer about two seconds worth of things. Verone McKinley, Oregon. I bet he's a day three guy because he's going to be quote small and quote slow. So like I think that he's uh, and I've gathered this from talking to people who have worked with and are working with him that he's going to be like coaches are going to love him and fight for him. And he's a smart player and he's a good player, mm-hmm. but they're going to be like, he's also a slow, small, not big hitting safety. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think he's like, it's not like uh he's not going to run a four, eight, you know, he's probably, right. it'll be well, a four, six, four, yeah. six, four. And you know, he'll be right around 200 pounds, five, 10 and a half. Yeah. That that's, it's not ideal measurables. Um, but yeah, he's, he's really instinctive. Uh, he, he's a smart player who understands what the offense is trying to do. He's, he's might, he might be a little small, but he plays big, uh, with the toughness that he plays with the compete skills. 
Uh, just watch the Oregon State tape. I mean, he got under the skin of the, that team. So uh, he, he's he's an interesting guy that I agree. He'll be there on day three, but I don't think he'll last very long once we get to day yeah, three. See, to me, this guy, when you watch him play, there's a lot of turnovers in his game. You know, I mean, positioning, fumble recoveries. He's always around the ball. And, you know, that's, there's something to that. There's sure. something, if you know, if you have football intelligence, smarts, positioning, you know, you can kind of make up for things that you lack, you know? I mean, I, 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 like I say, we've watched these safeties play and you're like, oh, he might not be the guy that has the best range of this, that, but he's always around the ball. You know, he's always trying to make a tackle. He's always, the you know, ball kind of comes to him. I mean, just a ton of interceptions with this guy. You know, yeah. if you watch, if you watch him play, ball skills are outstanding. Christopher wants to know surprise in this year's draft that nobody is talking about. And then he just said, FYI, Brandon Smith is a beast. Is that the Penn state linebacker? Yeah. He, he's yeah. going to have a big yeah. week next week. Physically. Yeah. He's a beast. Yeah. I think he'll have a great yeah. combine. I'm yeah. watching him on tape and I'm just like, I'm not sure if he has any idea what he's doing, but man, yeah. that dude looks really good in the uniform and he can run fast and stuff. Um, well, mine's obviously Sky Moore. The biggest surprise in this year's draft. Oh, uh, by by the way, I got a text uh, the other day from from a scout who told me, "Don't be surprised when Sky Moore runs uh, a sub four four three forty. Apparently, that's that's how he's been testing. So, uh, oh, I didn't even know. I like I wouldn't have guessed that he would be fast. I would have guessed yeah, that he was a four well, five no, flat guy. I like, agree. I agree. But no, he's been testing in the low four four. So let, let's. Uh, It'll be interesting to see exactly what the, the, the final number is, but don't be surprised if he's if uh, he, he's pretty fast out there. Just mo money, mo money for my guy. And you, like Dane, you've got Trayvon Walker, who you've said you're higher on than a lot of people, but also it sounds like the world's kind of catching up. Yeah, to that. the Never world. Like, the yeah, he's right on this one, Dane. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah there, no, I, do, you, do you have a guy later on? It's like your guy because I also know Brian's guy. Go Tigers. Um, yeah, let's let's see. I, I've got a bunch of guys. I think. Um, Oh, I mentioned how I really like the interior offensive line uh, group. Um, one guy that I think, like, if you if you don't go with uh, Linderbaum in the first, if you want to get a center in, say, the third or fourth round, Luke Fortner from Kentucky, uh, to me, that's a guy to go after. Uh, he, he played all three interior line positions uh, in, in college. Not about Kentucky, cranking out these offensive linemen. Uh, they, they've got had at least one offensive lineman drafted each of the last three years. They'll have at least two, maybe three offensive linemen drafted this year. But Fortner, to me, he looks like uh, he's a guy that can ride out the storm. You know, it might not always look pretty, but he'll latch, he'll control, and he's assignment sound, high intangibles. He's gonna he, in uh, in the spring. He's gonna earn his third degree from Kentucky, his second master's. So I mean, we're talking high intangibles. Uh, there's so much to like about Luke Fortner. I, I think he's going to start in this league. Guard center versatility. Um, I, I think I like him probably a little bit more than uh, how he's been talked about. Brian, give us your guy. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I mean, it's funny because on Twitter, I get so many mock drafts. Dave, where do you have him on your board? Where, where is the Kentucky, the Kentucky guard? Because people uh, are mocking him like fifth, kind of fifth round. Is that – is that way late that round? If I take Kennard in the third in a heartbeat, no, no. Is you talking about Kennard? Is that who no, you're talking about? No, I'm talking about Fortner. Oh, the Fortner. Other one. Okay. So I, yeah, 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I Fortner to me is third or fourth round somewhere, somewhere in there. He, he, he could very easily go top one hundred okay, because people people keep mocking him like in these draft these mocks I see, and he's like on every single mock, and he's like the last guy. Yeah. And I, I was just like, because I haven't seen the player myself, and I didn't know if that was if that was actual or that he needs to be up in a higher higher. I, I I'd be shocked. I mean, like I, that, that, that's a guy that I'm probably higher on than most people, but I think that uh, there's, I, I, I know there's some NFL teams that agree with me. So yeah. uh, he, maybe he, maybe he slips a little bit just because again, we're talking about center, which is not every team needs a center. Not every team's yeah. comfortable drafting a center in certain places. So uh, maybe he does slip a little bit, but I, I think it's more than likely he goes third or fourth round. Yeah. I, my guy is, I don't know why more people aren't talking about Ed Ingram from LSU. And I, and I know I went to school at LSU and this is not my, this is not my get on the soapbox and talk about LSU and players and all that stuff like Brian, that. You and I will fist bump together on him going in the second round. Like we got oh, into okay. it about him versus yeah. Zion Johnson and yeah. which one, like I like Zion better, but yeah. whatever Ed Ingram, I think his tape says, oh, absolutely. In the fifties, give me. Yeah. I think the thing about that was with, with Ed, I mean, there are questions about what happened to him when he was 15 years old. And, you know, you start talking about he was seven. That. Well, th- th- this again, talking to folk at LSU about it. Oh, okay. to tell, me, tell me when things started, when things kind of the timeline of things for Ed Ingram. And, you know, I, I you know, it's something that people will dig in on. It's something that they will they will ask him about. There's something about it that he will be very forthright about. And I, I don't feel like that people you know, we'll, we'll like, once they get his explanation about it, I, I think that they'll have a better understanding of what happened with that situation. So again, kind of take care of that. I think the thing you have to talk about Ed Ingram is though, when you visit with the LSU folk, the, he's, he came back, he came back to play and everybody was like, well, why did you come back? And he felt like, he's like, listen, I owe this to the university for to coach O and what they did for me. They stood by me in a difficult time and all that, you know, and, and they talk about the character of the guy. Yeah, the off-the-field stuff, you know, they'll figure that out. But they'll also talk about the things when he was playing, what he's able to do. And I I see a really, really powerful player. Now, I talked to some scouts about him, and they're like, listen, maybe there's not the knee bend. Maybe there's not the second-level stuff. Maybe there's not, you know, there's things they kind of ding about this kid. But I watched him play against Texas A&M, and I watched him get to the second level, and I watched the ball go, you know, past him as we, when he's blocking and stuff like that. So I do see some knee bend. I, I see a guy that doesn't get knocked back. I, I see a pass blocker. I see a really strong guy. I mean, the, he could deal with, you know, it doesn't appear that he was struggling with any quickness or uh, issues with people over him. I mean, I'm watching A&M. I'm watching Alabama. I'm watching legitimate – a defensive lineman play against this guy and it's not a struggle for him. So I, I kind of say Ed Ingram, LSU, I know it's my school, but man, I don't think people are talking about him near enough. I, I think that's, that's fair. I think he's uh, my fifth guard. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Kenyon green, Zion Johnson, Kennard, Sawyer from Georgia, then Ed Ingram. So I, I like him quite a bit, not quite as much as you, but I, I do yeah. think he's a future NFL starter. B. Rich had a couple of cowboy ones. He said, your personal preference aside, Broadus, do you find it plausible that Mike McCarthy is a big difference in the Cowboys draft approach in 20 and 21? I don't think he's really – like, he hadn't really even wanted it, has he? Like, no, Quinn had a lot of pull. I don't think McCarthy's yeah. pushing for players. 
Yeah, I think that what you have with uh, I think what you have with Mike is Mike is not used to being part of the process because if you ever look at the Green Bay, the way the Green Bay system worked, uh, and they've done this for years. Brian Gutekunst has carried it on, uh, you know, with the with the coaching staff and stuff. Ted Thompson. He had McCarthy in the war room, but the coaches really weren't superly involved. So this is a whole new thing for Mike McCarthy to be able to talk about players. There's a couple of places that McCarthy went. Uh, I think he went to Kentucky uh, to watch those guys work out. Uh, but, yeah, the really the big influence from what I understood was was uh, Dan Quinn. When Dan Quinn came in, he was like, okay, I'm going to go to State College, Pennsylvania. I'm going to go to Lexington, Kentucky. I'm going to go to – you know, to uh, Corvallis, Oregon. He went coast to coast really looking at all these defensive players and then had his input for what the the guys that he got from Atlanta as well. So McCarthy input, yeah, I'm not going to discount it, but it's something that's totally foreign to what he's ever been able to do as a head coach. Two quick ones for Dane. Yep. Josh Pascal, better as an edge or a DT from pull up then? Uh, I mean, he's an edge. He, he's not super explosive, uh, but he plays the run really well. Who is and this, he? Where's he from? Kentucky. Uh, okay. a, a bigger 6'3", 275, that type of guy. Um, intangibles are ridiculous. Overcame cancer uh, while he was at Kentucky and, and all this stuff. Uh, but not just not a super explosive pass rusher, more of a uh, really stout run defender. Is going to be a base end rotational player. Uh, just a, a third, fourth round pick. Taj wants to know, would you draft Kyle Phillips in the top 100? Who is he? Uh, the UCLA wide receiver. Uh, the way He had an outstanding shrine game. He's he's kind of that, uh, you know, the Hunter Renfro type, uh, where a little undersized, going to live in the slot, but, man, he catches things, he gets open. Um, I don't know that he's going to get top 100, but I think early day three, uh, good chance that's where he comes off the board. Clayton wants to know, Brian, what pick would make you throw your pen? And is this a fake pen throw or a real pen throw? The fake yeah. pen throw? No, I, I tell you what, I'm I'm I, the way these names are coming off the board at 24, the names that we're starting to see, I don't think there would be any fake, you know, I don't think there would be any fake mad or you know, or I would be upset though if some of these guys, like I say, if guys like Linderbaum and Green and you know our linebackers all start going off the board, I think I would start getting a little nervous. But if you give me a shot at some of these, a wide receiver, a, a safety there maybe uh, with, you know, with Dax Hill, I don't think I could be too upset about it. I think any direction that, that I'm focusing really on the Cowboys right now in this, I know we're kind of a national type show, but I, I know for the Cowboys aspect of it, I, I, I think they would be pretty happy with maybe what's going to slide down that board to them. Now, Dax Hill, I, I, I love that. Play. I love Dax Hill. I, do. I, I love yeah. Dax Hill. I do. I absolutely do. Let's, let's I, keep that bandwagon going because I, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Sean wants to make me merch. Go ahead and email me. I'll allow it. Um, UNMD says, who do you like out of Petit Frere? That's the Ohio State tackle. Tyler yeah. Smith. Is that Tulsa? And Tulsa. Braxton Jones? Southern Utah. I, Tyler Smith. Have you guys watched Tyler Smith at all yet? No, no, but I, I have not. Have I, 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 I hate it, but I got to watch all these stupid offensive linemen. I thought after I watched the first like eight of them, I was good. It turns out you have to watch all of them. Uh, Tyler Smith is uh, he? He's young. He's a redshirt sophomore, one of the youngest players in the draft. Sixteen penalties last year. I mean, this guy is uh, so sloppy, and uh, but he's he's his flexibility is impressive. 
his redirect skills are impressive. He can anchor at shallow depth. Uh, he will maul you. He is so nasty with his hands. The grip strength is ridiculous. He, he, he plays with lightning bolts in his hands. It's really fun to watch. He needs coached up. Um, I mean, he yeah. played left tackle at Tulsa. Maybe a move him inside to guard and then move him back outside to tackle when he's ready. Uh, I, I just it's, – it's hard to know where to draft a guy like this when he's so incredibly raw and he needs time to get better with his technique before he's going to be ready to face NFL competition. But the power, the movement skills, the the competitive temperament, it's all amazing with Tyler Smith. So I, I think that uh, he goes probably somewhere in the second round when it's all said and done. But he's tough to peg because he just he's going to need time. People want to hear about an Adam Anderson evaluation. And if I remember right, that would be the Georgia guy who's got the R word uh, situation. What is that? Yeah. Allegation? Something? Two, two allegations. Yeah. I don't, he's not getting drafted. I mean, it's football's on the back burner for him right now. Yeah, so he, he's, yeah, there, there, there are like things that he's having to deal with right now that are, they're probably going to keep him from, like Dane says, getting selected at all. And, and he would have been a first round pick. He, he's, he was a first round talent. Um, but you know, um, uh, because of the situation, which I'm not qualified to speak about. I don't know enough of the details. We'll have to wait to see how the thing, everything plays out. Um, but, yeah, he's not getting drafted. He won't be part of this class. Vance Williams wants us to compare and contrast Devin Lloyd and N'Kobe Dean because he knows that I'm a big N'Kobe Dean fan. I'm having him as linebacker one, but is seeing so many different places, Devin Lloyd being the first linebacker off the board. And so I will tell you, uh, I would not be surprised if Devin Lloyd's the first linebacker off the board. If I had to guess, I would bet that he is because prototype, because of six foot three and long arms and He's a really, really good player. I got no problem with Devin Lloyd. You get him at 24 to the Cowboys, and I love it. I think it's great. Uh, I prefer N'Kobe Dean because I just think that he processes football at light speed, and it's incredible the number of plays that he makes and trying to get his teammates in the right spots. And he can fly. He can hit. He can cover. You're missing out on that trait that Devin Lloyd brings of being a bigger, longer guy, which can help you in coverage, playing off blocks, uh, I prefer Dean. I totally understand people who prefer Devin Lloyd. I don't fight people on that one. I just go, okay, I get it. Makes sense. Yeah. Do either of you have a big preference on those two guys? I have Dean above Lloyd, and me, and I have a feeling that the uh, the scouts are probably going to have that flip just for the reasons you gave, probably yeah. because of the six three and one six foot. But let me tell you what, I, I'd love to have either one of them. Uh, seriously, I mean they're that. Again, there, there, there's a difference in height, but as far as getting to the ball and tackling and doing those things, there's really not very much difference between the two. Uh, I think there's like 12 or 13 spot difference in my top 100 between the two. Uh, preferring Dean or pre- preferring uh, Lloyd over Dean for me. Um, the size, I think that does matter, uh, especially when you need to sift through all those all the traffic in the middle of the field. Um, that that's something that Dean plays so quick, both mentally and physically that you know he can combat that but at the same time there are there are times where he can get hung up and so that that lack of length uh could be the difference between, between going top 10 and going maybe somewhere in the top 25 thank you scott and thank you sully for hanging out with us tonight i appreciate you guys and finally marcus wants to know brian he's 24 years old and he enjoys the draft how does he get his foot in the door at an nfl front office have a last name that's the same as an owner a gm or a coach yeah, that all works. It all helps. 
Yeah, I, I got very fortunate because my path went from college recruiter to NFL Europe to guy I worked with at NFL Europe, having to work with Ron Wolf at the Packers. And he told me when I took the job in 1990 in NFL Europe, he says, you're going to be really good at this. I'm going to get you a job in the NFL. And a year later, he he was right. And he got me that job. So, yeah, my my recommendation is, again, these these – these programs are hard to get into. They don't have the interns and stuff like that that they once did. So it's kind of difficult. But the route I went was the college recruiter and then NFL Europe. I mean, we got the USFL stuff. We've got all these things that maybe you could get involved with. Maybe you can get involved with your, your local college team or stuff like that and work in recruiting. And that way you meet scouts. You meet guys that are on the road and you can kind of, you know, people can say, oh, yeah, I remember this guy from this school. I remember this guy. You know, I think that's the best way to go if you can. It's it's tough. It really, really is. I'm not I'm not going to sell it as being easy because here, like you know, Dane Brugler, one of my dear friends. You know, I, I I think he could scout with anybody in the National Football League. I know he chose to do what he did, but I mean, we've all. I mean, Dane and I've had this discussion. We first met about how to get in and stuff like that, and, and he'll tell you it, it's just not the easiest path. And now he's probably got a thousand friends in the NFL that, you know, that he interacts with every single day. And it's, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's a difficult task. It really is. And it's funny because that the NFL was always the goal, but you now as, as I got, you know, closed door after closed door, and then I finally got an opportunity and then finally, it, it just became, you know, the media is better for me, but yeah, it, you have to create your own path. You have to find a way for me. It was my draft book that helped me kind of separate myself. And that got me, that got me an interview with the Green Bay Packers when I was 22 years old with John Dorsey and uh, McKenzie and uh, all those guys, your boy Schneider, Brian. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, there were jobs that I didn't get that I was heartbroken, uh, you know, interviewing with the Patriots, didn't get that. But interview with the Chiefs, got that job. Uh, I ended up not taking that. So, you know, it's it, it's something where you have to find a way to separate yourself. For me, it was my draft book and, you know, sending that out to every team that got me noticed and that helped me. But uh, not every it's just like every prospect, your, your path's not going to be the same. You're going to yeah. take a different different path. So you just have to figure out what's best for you and play to your strengths and, and go get it. And for uh, all of you out there, if you enjoy the daily fantasy, by the way, I would go to underdog fantasy, use the code Jeff C get you a little bonus promo bonus on the sign up do over-unders maybe some best ball i like the over-unders i like to parlay like two bucks and pick like eight of them and see if i can get filthy rich jeff see it sign up underdog fantasy all right men um good week brian have a good one we'll do it again thank you look forward to it dane brugler have a good one we'll do it again always enjoy it gentlemen plug and play episode three in the books and we will hit you with plug and play episode four coming up next Wednesday at uh, 7 30 PM. Unless I'm running into something weird with, don't worry about it. We'll see you when you, when we see you and normally it'll be Wednesdays. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather emergency or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.